on a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Comedian Paula Poundstone is a frequent panelist on NPR's weekly news quiz show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. She's the first woman to win the Cable ACE for Best Stand-Up Comedy Special and the first woman to perform stand-up at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Paula Poundstone will be in Columbus on September 25th at the Lincoln Theater. Ticket information is available at www.crafttheshow.com. Welcome to Craft, Paula Poundstone, and welcome back to Columbus, where you've had a great response to your live show. Well, thanks very much. I'm looking forward to coming to Columbus. Yeah, you've you've been here a couple different times before, and uh, but it was not right after having been in uh, Disney Pixar's newest film, Inside Out, where you were Forgetter Paula. I was Forgetter Paula. I worked up in the... Um, it's the it's the, the the story of the inner life, largely, of an 11 year old girl, and I worked in her brain, um, as did many of the main characters. Um, I was not an emotion. Um, I was uh, me and my par- partner, uh, Forgetter Bobby, were um, we were uh, in the memory. We were the guys who uh, who threw away memories or kept them. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, both uh, Bobby Monaghan and I um, uh, were thrilled. We felt like we got a buy, like in tennis, when there's, a, you know, when there's nobody to play. Uh, when the teams are uneven in a, in a tournament, and so <laughs> one team just gets to skip ahead, right. um, we kind of felt like that was us, because the idea of there being you know, individuals who, who throw away memories in the brain. It's such a funny idea to begin with um, that, uh, you know, neither he nor I needed to be particularly brilliant for it to be very funny stuff. Um, we were fine, by the way. We were good. Um, <laughs> but sure. um, the idea itself um, is just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, it's a, it's a very funny, very good movie. Um, you know, having nothing to do with myself, really. Right, having uh, getting great reviews. There was some discussion about people being chosen for particular emotions because they seem to perhaps in some way embody those. Is there some part of you that they thought uh, they were reaching out to, or you or Bobby, for forgetter, uh, since you're uh, both people throwing away? I have no idea, but my kids thought it was so funny uh, that I would, because uh, I do have... Uh, I think I have severe short-term memory problems, but mm-hmm. it may just be, you know, stress and, and uh, you know, just life. I don't know. I drive by our house. I don't think you're supposed to do that. No. And then my kids will yell, you know, you're driving past the house. And I turn and say, who the hell are you? What are you doing in my car? Right. So it's uh, it's it's gotten bad, but um, boy, was it... Uh, boy, was it fun to do. You know, I mean, I'm a huge Pixar fan to, to begin with, so it was... Uh, it was, uh, you know, one of those bucket list kind of experiences. Right. I, uh, I certainly uh, feel your pain. I'm a, I'm a certain age, over 20, and uh, I've had those moments of, uh, you know, driving by. But you're also known for uh, your spontaneous wit, which sort of, um, you know, argues uh, that there's a lot going on up there in, in your own brain, uh, like in Inside Out. So tell me about the development of that, of the, the wit that you've got and the interactions that you experience with the audiences. I, I understand that uh, it was pretty early on, say in kindergarten, when you had a teacher who spotted your comedic talents. My kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Bump, wrote in the uh, in the first sentence of the last paragraph of the summary letter, which was written 
um, for kindergarten students in lieu of a report card back then. Um, she wrote, uh, I have enjoyed many of Paula's humorous comments about our activities. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was always, um, I, I loved it that an adult recognized in a positive way, you know, something that I did, you know, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like my handwriting or my, you know, I don't think you have handwriting in kindergarten or, or, you know, it, it, it wasn't how I lined up for lunch, mm-hmm. um, which by the way, I'm sure I did well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you, do you, uh, did your family have a positive reaction to that where they said, oh, well, it's, it's nice did, that you're being funny? Okay. Yeah, I think they did. I mean, overall, whether my family was terribly amused by me or not, the jury's still out on that, I guess. But, um, uh, but I think that they, yeah, I think that they did. And uh, you know, so cut to to to, to many years later. I, I I started as a stand-up when I was nineteen. Um, I uh, I started doing open mic nights in Boston, and really, I was not much of a, you know, had I not just so happened to be alive and 19 in a time and place where someone else had started an open mic circuit. I don't know, you know, I don't know how, how my life would have turned out, but as it was, there was sort of a serendipitous thing that I happened to be in, in the city of Boston where there was a burgeoning, uh, you know, uh, in order to be a stand-up comic, you have to do open mic nights. You have to, you have to practice, you have to learn to do it. And, and, um, an open mic night, the premise of that is that anybody who wants to can go up and do five minutes. And uh, there, once that got started in Boston, um, it, it, uh, it really took off. I mean, audiences came out to, to watch, and there were a number of us that, um, you know, really got some traction and were able to go on and do this for a living. It was a really raucous time in the, in the clubs back then. Um, and and somewhere along the way, because because I forget so easily everything, actually, um, I would you know I'd go on stage prepared with my five minutes, and then I would get on and forget what I was going to say, no matter how much I prepared ahead of time. Um, just sort of between nervousness and and being distracted by other things, I would say something that I hadn't planned to say, and then I had no idea where I was in the five minutes, and then the next thing you know, I was in big trouble. Um, I considered that a liability for the longest time. And then one day it dawned on me that the stuff that I was saying when I wasn't, you know, when it was sort of out of turn was really where the magic was. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, you know, it was a little bit like Dumbo's ears. Uh, I decided that the thing that had been kind of bringing me down would perhaps be the thing that brought me up. Mm-hmm. So how much of a, you know, a show like what you'll do on September 25th at the Lincoln Theater, do you already have pre-planned or are you just, uh, I, I know there's some elements of it that are really many elements of it that are spontaneous, but how much of that would you, would you say? Is it varies a lot night to night? Well, yeah, it does vary from show to show. I mean, I certainly go in with kind of a skeleton um, I feel like, it, you know, in order to talk about my kids, for example, I need to explain, you, you know, I need to give the sort of autobiographical text, you know, to explain who they are and, and, and that sort of thing. So, that there, so there's some sort of skeleton. Uh, on, on a good night, and I like to think some are, um, probably about a third of the show is, uh, w- w- would not be heard again, was germane only to that particular night. 
Um, I I love talking to the audience. It really is the fun part of the night. Um, but I also have 36 years of material rattling around somewhere in my brain. So sometimes I'm I'm sort of drawn to tell something because something else that happens in the room reminds me of it. Right. Um, and then and then like I say, you know, I have I have some sort of a sort of a skeleton in my head. I I actually part of in in my writer where they you know where they say you know can I have a soda um uh i asked the theater to put a a digital clock facing me you know somewhere where i can see it because otherwise i have no idea just zero idea what time it is and um uh the i i've come to really depend on it took me years to figure out to ask for that um, because what would happen was, you know, there, there's a point at which people are probably ready to go home. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time I recognize that, <laughs> you, know, you know, you don't want people to sort of drag out of the theater. Right. So by the, by the time I recognize that, it would take me 15 minutes to sort of, you know, get them to, to a place where I thought it would be, you know, where they would leave on a positive note. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, so just structurally, I needed to, I needed to have that. So I, I've come to depend on it uh, over time. And I was working in, um, oh, some, uh, Brownfield, Maine earlier this summer and they didn't have the clock. And so the, the, I, I, I did two and a half hours. Um, and you know, <laughs> it, at a certain point it becomes cruel. Right, yeah. No, you'll uh, stay here and listen to me. People with families and lives <laughs> wondering if they're ever going to return to them. So, um, yeah. So I, I, although I have a, although I have a skeleton, it's pretty loose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. It, it reminds me of the stories about Bruce Springsteen uh, back in the zero days, where he was, you know, having these three-hour concerts. Oh my gosh! Or, or something like that, you know. He'd be, he'd be like, "Yeah, we'll just we'll just play every song we know." Or so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, uh, two other things. I think you have a new book coming out, or you're working on a new book. Is this a follow up? I am working on a new book. The okay. uh, it's it's not coming out for a long time, but uh, but I'm it, the, the the first draft is in. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm 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 waiting for the copious rewrite notes. <laughs> <laughs> so depressing. Um, uh, it's it's largely an autobiographical book. It's a book of uh, where I would do experiments and things that people thought that would make you happy. Now, um, within the time that I've been writing this book, I must say, uh, you know, a couple of people came up with similar ideas um, because there's sort of a um, I, I notice when I'm in stores, maybe I'm just hypersensitive to it now, but I notice when I'm in stores that, you know, books about, about happiness, um, uh, m- m- mine, there's two things that are different about it. The first thing is I thought of it long before the others. I just write slowly. Um, uh, the, and, and the second is that, um, I'm, I do different things that people told me would make me happy. Um, but in the doing of them, I then report back on how life is in general to see whether or not that happiness is a, um, was it a temporary thing? You know, like you go up in a Ferris wheel and it's fun, but when you come down, um, you you know, you're dealing, do you have a reservoir there to deal with, um, you know, the things that are the struggles of life? And, 
and the uh, and then the other thing is that it's a funny book. It's um uh, that or, um, but you know, years ago when I've, I I I've written a few books, but years ago when I first was approached to write a book, um, there was a rash at that time of comics. Um, writing books, and it was largely they would take their act and write it, and I knew for sure I didn't want to do that, um, uh, um, partly because my act is my act, and partly because I, I feel like a book should be a different experience altogether, and uh, so hopefully it is. Um, I have one out that's called, um, there's nothing in this book that I meant to say, and uh, y- you know, it it doesn't fly off the shelves like the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, it's also not being given away in hotel rooms. So that may no, account for, true. for some that's of that. True. If you could arrange for a group that would Donald, do that. Did you hear Donald Trump tell the crowd the other day? He held up his book. Um, I think it was called The Art of the Deal. And and he said, it's his, he started to say it was his favorite book. That he, 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 well, it's my second favorite book. <laughs> After his other he's talking, book. Yeah. He's talking to this huge crowd in Alabama. Yeah. Uh, and so he felt the need to explain to them that his first favorite book was the was the Bible. <laughs> and you and you can tell by the, the man's behavior that he, he, he takes a page out of the Bible each day to dictate to him how to behave. <laughs> I love it that his two favorite books are the are the art of the deal by himself and the Bible. Right. By which he would probably point out that they don't have the author on the spine. So his is, you know, more persuasively uh, important because it's a single author tome. Um, <laughs> no, no, nor did John the Baptist have a comb over. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, Paula Poundstone, I thank you so much for talking to me today. And I'm looking so forward to September 25th when you'll appear in Columbus at the Lincoln Theater with Kappa. And uh, encourage everybody to, to go see that. I know it's going to be a great time. All right. Thanks so much. It was nice talking with you. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. <laughs>